Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I am back from vacation. Uh, those of you who are back in the office, glad to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to call in, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. You know, it, it's one of those crazy things. Uh, <clears throat> for those of you keeping up with the weather in the southeast where I am, it was 70, 80 degrees on New Year's Day and the temperatures have plummeted. Uh, all up and down the eastern seaboard now, it's it's there's snow down to uh, the northern suburbs of Atlanta. And not where I am. I'm south of Atlanta, and it's blue sky and cold. We got a lot of rain, but no snow. My kids are very disappointed. But everybody now has runny nose and scratchy throat and a cough. And everyone up and down the eastern seaboard of the United States is like, do I have COVID? Do I have COVID? My wife and I, of course, you know, we apparently, allegedly, I am told I spent most of Tuesday in an emergency room. One day, maybe I'll remember. Uh, and uh, it was like, do, do we have COVID? Do we have COVID? And nope, everybody's just, it's it's the weather change. Everybody is dealing with it. Um, I'm having to hit my mute button repeatedly throughout the show as I break out into a, into a cough. And it is totally, it's just allergies and sinus from all the weather changes. Now, speaking of all of that, uh, there are a couple of things you need to know here. I am told uh, very reliably, I, I will put it, uh, it, it made national headlines over the weekend. The metro area is, for Atlanta, Georgia, uh, major counties are joining a bunch of counties in Virginia, New York, Illinois, Michigan, and several other places in not going back to school this week. Now, there's a difference, though, from what I'm told in the metro Atlanta area, the, it's just for this week, allegedly. Uh, and the reason is they don't have enough teachers. They did a head count in some of these counties, Cobb and Fulton, DeKalb, and they don't have enough teachers because they're recovering from COVID and they need, you know, 14 days or a clear test. And they figure they needed this week to clear out. The problem is that that's not what these other counties and these other areas are doing. Those areas are bailing because of fear of COVID. Uh, they want all the kids to wear masks and the like. And uh, the, now the, there are some areas of the country where they're thinking they want to insist that kids wear the N95 mask. Now, the professionals themselves don't wear the N95 masks, right? Good luck getting the kids to do it. This is becoming an issue, I think, where Republicans are going to need to step in. Uh, out of South Africa, 63% of patients hospitalized had incidental COVID in South Africa. Of those with COVID, incidental COVID is, is the virus exists in their nose, but is not all over their body, it not infected their body. Apparently, the Omicron variant has a harder time infecting people's lungs like standard COVID. 45% of those with COVID with the Omicron variant need, who are hospitalized need oxygen uh, compared to 99.5% of the previous waves in South. Now, this is South Africa, but it does show for certain that the Omicron variant is less severe. In fact, if you're vaccinated, overwhelmingly, it's a it's a cold. It presents as a cold, um, the coughing, sneezing. All the things that I'm having, but I don't have it. Um, that's why everybody's concerned now. 
and, and apparently you don't lose your smell, you don't lose your taste. It's it's cold. You know, uh, the common cold is a coronavirus. COVID and a common cold are of the same viral type, a coronavirus. The problem here is that we have lived in abject panic. We haven't, but a lot of people have lived in abject panic for two years now over this virus. I think it's time we concede defeat. I think it's time we concede defeat. We are not going to beat the virus. We're going to have to live with it. And I think the best way to live with it is to go back to normal. The week of Christmas, the week uh, in the run-up to Christmas, y'all, I've had a rough couple of weeks. Uh, My last week of work, I got a stomach bug. I thought it was food poisoning. It was a, a stomach bug. Uh, and was miserable, but forced myself to take this trip to Las Vegas to go to a hockey game. And actually, I, I felt better every day. And when I was there, I I, I was fine. Uh, wore out pretty quick. Didn't have much of an appetite, but was fine. But I had to wear a mask all through the airport. I had to wear a mask all on the planes. And then in Nevada, I had to wear masks everywhere. In Georgia... If, I don't know where you're listening uh, to the show. I know I have a lot of Georgia listeners, but now I've got a, a more national audience. I don't know what your state is like, but in a lot of southern states and a lot of Republican-led states nationwide, everything is back to normal. You will see some people wearing masks, and there will be some stores that ask you to wear a mask, but overwhelmingly you're not. We have concrete definitive data on masking now. And the definitive data, it actually comes out of Bangladesh, this study, just so you understand where the study comes from. is out of Bangladesh, and it shows that uh, there's a 10% reduction in viral spread from your standard cloth mask, which isn't a lot. Now, I would argue that at the beginning of the pandemic, when they were, by the way, telling us not to wear masks, uh, that a 10% reduction when we had overwhelmed hospitals, I mean, you had some hospitals around the country converting their parking decks into triage facilities, a 10% reduction was a significant reduction. At this point, it's not. Particularly when, if you're vaccinated, what you're going to get is more likely than not going to be mild. Not in all cases. Some people still have severe reactions, but overwhelmingly, it's mild. So we should go back to normal now. I mean, after all, everybody got vaccinated. Here's the problem. Science is a tool. Science is a study. Science is a practice. Science is not a God. But a lot of people have made science their God and their God now fails them. And so they are in abject panic. People have replaced God for government and science for the mysticism that comes with the faith and religion. And science itself has a lot that is believed by faith. I mean, You take it by faith, there was a big bang. We don't know for sure, and you don't know by faith what was there before it, but I do as a Christian. A lot of things we believe by faith. Even people who believe in science believe things by faith. And they have believed by faith that science would come up with a vaccine and that vaccine would take care of the virus. We as a society are in fact used to the idea of science taking care of us, and we are used to the idea of things like vaccines solving healthcare problems. This is Rachel Maddow from last year about the vaccine. 
It means that instead of the vaccine being able, excuse me, it means for instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person to person, spreading and spreading, sickening some of them, but not all of them. And the ones that it doesn't sicken don't know they have it. And then they give it to even more people because they didn't recognize they were right. Instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug resistant along the way. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. That's not true, but that's what she believed at the time. That's what so many people believed. They put their faith in science and their God has failed them. The vaccines work. They overwhelmingly work, you are still less likely to get COVID if you've been vaccinated. Now, I'm, I'm living proof of this. I've now had two occasions, one, in fact, over Christmas, being around uh, infected and contagious relatives in very close proximity to them over multiple days, and uh, they got very sick, and I did not. Now, uh, over Christmas, it was an unvaccinated relative. Uh, in August, it was my dad who was vaccinated, and he got sick, but he recovered. I never got it. My mom never got it from him. Uh, in fact, over Christmas, it seems like all the people who were vaccinated did not get it uh, from from my relative. It, they work. There are people I know. I know plenty of people who have the vaccine, including my dad, who still got it, but didn't get it nearly as bad as they otherwise would have gotten it. But it doesn't do what Rachel Maddow and so many people claimed at the time. It doesn't stop the virus cold. doesn't do that. And the problem is so many people, not just our public health officials, but people in blue areas of the country who've lost their faith in God and now that they worship things like science and government, they decided to reorder their society along the lines of the vaccine. You must have your vaccine passport to go into restaurants and to go into stores. It must be enforced and the businesses themselves must enforce it. And guess what? It doesn't work the way they said it would work. It may reduce symptoms, but you still get it or can. You have a possibility. And so now we have all these vaccinated people who are getting the va- who are getting the virus. Not only that, they're then transmitting it to other people. And keep in mind, me saying this could get me banned from Twitter for saying it, and it is objectively, scientifically true. On Twitter, they still don't want you to say that a vaccinated person can get other people sick, but it's true. They can. Science failed them. So I would submit to you that we should reorder our society on pre-COVID policies. We should open schools and get rid of masks. We should go back to the airports without masks. We should be allowed to travel without masks. If you can get the vaccine, you should get the vaccine. If you want to get the vaccine, but you should not be forced to get the vaccine. And you will live with the consequences if you get it. And yes, other people could get it, but the odds are still small. That's why everybody else should be vaccinated. But we need to stop holding our children hostage to adults' fear of a virus based on their misplaced faith in science. Kids need to be back in schools. Now, I understand situations like in the metro Atlanta area, if it really is a teacher shortage issue because so many of the teachers are sick and just need this week to recover. Okay, that's fine. You know, my kids right before Christmas break in their school uh, so many people had gotten the COVID vaccine, nobody got the flu vaccine, and, and the flu swept through the school, and they had to shut down the school for a couple of days. They didn't formally shut down the school, but gave everybody an excused absence who needed it. A lot of the teachers were out with the flu. A lot of the kids were out with the flu. Do that for COVID if it happens. 
treat it like the flu. But to go remote indefinitely, as some counties and blue states are doing, puts kids further behind. We know the psychological toll now. We know the psychological damage. It is, it, it boggles my mind. It makes my head hurt that we're still having to have these conversations. January 3rd of 2022, we're still having to have these conversations, conversations we were having at the beginning of last year about prolonged shutdowns of schools. It's bad for kids. It's bad for parents. You know, one of the interesting side effects of this is it is causing black and Hispanic voters to move to the GOP. It is now becoming something you can measure in the polls, people moving to the GOP over school shutdowns. It is a winning issue for Republicans. Republicans around the country should start supporting school choice. Overwhelmingly, I saw a poll conducted in Georgia over um, the last few weeks. I forget the exact date of it. I don't have it in front of me, but it was a poll that showed that overwhelmingly parents now support the idea of public money following kids to the school of their choice as opposed to just going straight to the public schools. The teachers unions and progressives and Democratic politicians have ruined people's support for public education by shutting them out of public education. And the deep irony here is that over the last couple of decades, public schools have been the place for progressives to indoctrinate kids. And now they've shut those kids out of the schools and the parents want to send them somewhere to get a good education. The parents, by having them at home for so long, watching the kids on their Zoom calls with their teachers, have realized what crap education so many of them are getting. They want their kids to get a good education somewhere where they actually are educated, not indoctrinated. Republicans in this nation should lose their ability to hold office if they do not look at all of this data and decide now is the time for, and and don't decide now is the time for school choice. Republicans around this country need to seize this issue and say, you know what, parents, we're going to create an entitlement for you. We're going to allow your children to go to the school of their choice and dare the Democrats to get rid of that program. They're insane if they don't do this, and yet I suspect they are. But the whole reason we're here is because so many people put their faith in science, and their God has now failed them by giving them a vaccine that works, just not in the way they expected it to. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you'd like to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-973. 7425. Uh, remember, you can always find me on social media. We put up clips of the show and the like. Uh, E.W. Erickson everywhere. You can go to ewerickson.com, E.W. Erickson on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, you name it. Uh, I'm not on Snapchat or TikTok. I'm a grown man. No reason to be on either of those. Nonetheless, I digress. We should move on. Uh, you know, Eric Adams is the new mayor of New York City. He is perpetuating for now the vaccine passport in New York. But he was interviewed over the weekend and said there's no way he's shutting down New York City because of the Omicron variant that we have to do a balancing act between health care and, and other care. It was actually interesting to see him do this and to say this because it is a relevant, necessary point that I think so many people miss. You know, I, I I am more and more and more and more a critic of Dr. Fauci. He served his purpose early on. But he makes things worse now by saying that if you're vaccinated, you now need to be boosted. And if you're vaccinated, boosted, 
you shouldn't hang out with people who aren't and you should have a vaccine passport now to get on a flight. Maybe we should do shutdowns and the like. But what people need to understand about Fauci is is something that gets missed in the conversation. Dr. Fauci on television these days in his interviews, I think does a disservice to dealing with the virus and keeps people in panic mode. But what people miss is that that's his wheelhouse. Dr. Fauci is a, what, epidemiologist, virologist. He's in public health. His job is that. And what so much of the media misses, what Dr. Fauci himself misses, is that while we need to deal with public health, it's not the only thing that must be dealt with. There is a balancing act. You've got to balance public health with the economy. And you got to balance the economy and the public health with mental health. And you got to balance those three with everything else. It's a balancing act. You can't let one bureaucrat whose wheelhouse is one thing dominate the discussion because, believe it or not, the discussion is actually multifaceted. There are economic trade-offs and costs. So kudos to the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, for going on television over the weekend and saying just that, that uh, he's not going to shut down New York. Because there is a balancing act between dealing with the virus and dealing with the effects of shutting down the city. He says closing the city for Omicron is as dangerous as COVID. COVID is a formidable opponent and it continues to evolve and we must pivot and evolve with it. But you can't do it viewing yourself from within the crisis. We have to see ourselves past the crisis. If we close down our city, it's as dangerous as COVID. That's what our focus must be. So the proper balance of safety and keeping our economy operating is going to allow us to get through it. It's amazing that only now are Democrats starting to say this. This is what people like Ron DeSantis and Brian Kemp have been saying since a year and a half ago. It's a balancing act. It's not all or nothing. Honestly, I I think uh, we need to have Dr. Fauci on TV every day. Because it hurts Joe Biden's, it hurts his progress, it keeps progressives in panic mode, and gives the GOP an advantage in the election. Uh, Dr. Fauci is one of the worst things to happen to Joe Biden's presidency at this point by having him on TV all the time. And you know, the moment he's disappeared from television by the Biden administration will be the point they realize in the polling he's hurting them. They haven't realized it yet, but I can assure you, uh, by letting the guy whose wheelhouse is the virus dictate terms for everything they're hurting themselves and the country and they'll figure it out sooner or later it's a real balancing act out there it's not just this one thing hi how are you it's eric erickson here the phone number is 877-973-7425 should you wish to be in this year program uh, be a part of it uh very happy to have you now question question time this is an important question Question is, do more people die in heat or cold? Do more people die in the heat or in the cold? The answer is the cold. More people die in cold globally than die in heat. People are much more able to sustain themselves in the heat. Now, I realize that uh, the media very much plays up the heat wave deaths. In Europe, for example, when there's heat wave, you will have massive headlines nationally and internationally 
about all the people dying in their homes because they don't have air conditioning and they die. And every summer when there's a heat wave in the southern United States in particular, you have lots of stories about uh, deaths from the from the heat. But the reality is actually that more people die from cold globally than die from heat, despite what the media may say. It's actually one of those interesting things here, the way the media covers stuff. Like, for example, do you know there were massive, disastrous wildfires in Colorado over the last number of weeks? Billion dollars in damage. Massive mansions destroyed in the Boulder, Colorado area. Beautiful, beautiful part of the state. And there were stories that came out that it was all related to climate change. But it turns out it was not related to climate change. It turns out, in fact, that it is appears to be a fire that wound up getting set at a barn. It looked like it was a burn barrel and high winds. It got out of control and the fire spread. It was not just climate change. It was actually someone doing a burn barrel on a, on a, it was the farm of a cult, no less, in Colorado. So it seems from press reports right now. Notice how when it turned out it wasn't actually climate change, but the burn barrel of a cult, the Colorado wildfire story disappeared from the headlines. The problem here is that the media has become obsessed with climate change as a story. But... We have problems because as the media and progressives have dictated coverage of and opinions on climate change, they are pushing us rapidly as a nation and as a world toward renewable energy in forms that are not sustainable. So I've talked about this before. It's worth resetting on this. What is baseload power? Baseload power is the power that if there's a spike in usage, you can get that power to customers very quickly so that you don't have blackouts and brownouts. So in other words, nuclear power and coal-fired power plants are baseload energy because you can add that to the power grid very quickly. Solar and wind are not baseload power. Why? Because solar doesn't work at night and wind doesn't work when the wind's not blowing. So you can't flip a switch and suddenly get wind power when there's no wind. You can't flip a switch and get solar power when there's no sun. You can flip switches and get nuclear power and coal power when there's a surge in energy. But around the world, including in this country, more and more governments are deciding we got to get rid of coal power plants and they're not adding nuclear plants. They're adding solar wind. We saw this happen in Texas. In Texas, the windmills froze. Now, I've gotten angry emails from a couple of environmental activists who heard me talk about this uh, months ago who said that the problem in Texas with windmills is that those windmills froze because they didn't buy the ones that had heaters in them. So they use part of their power to heat themselves, which makes them less energy efficient or energy able to generate a lot of energy. Okay, sure. But still mattered because there also wasn't a lot of wind blowing in parts of Texas at the time when they had that cold and they had the massive blackouts and the freezing and Ted Cruz went to wherever and they were upset about that. Notice, by the way, the media is not upset about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez spending weeks attacking Ron DeSantis in Florida and then vacationing in Florida. And according to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, if you complain about this, you want to sleep with her. 
I'm not kidding. That's her argument. If you complain about her, it's because you want to sleep with her. Wow. She attacked Ron DeSantis, said he was AWOL, and in fact, he was uh, with his wife for cancer treatments, and she went to Florida and was photographed in multiple locations without wearing a mask after demanding mask mandates. The hypocrisy. Democrats and environmentalists are major hypocrites on this stuff. Now, uh, Philip found this story. Uh, Doomberg, he is an um, expert on energy. He has this piece. It says, consider Boston, Massachusetts, the unofficial capital of New England. New England consists of six states in the U.S. Northeast, Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Given its northern latitude, the citizens of Boston experience cold and sometimes brutal winters, but more reasonable summers. Globally, far more people die from exposure to cold than to heat, and this makes winter energy policy especially consequential. Now, he has a chart where he's plotted the daily average high and low temperatures for Boston and overlaid the thermal comfort zone for easy reference. Now, what is the thermal comfort zone? The thermal comfort zone is the technical phrase to describe the human need to maintain reasonable temperature and and reasonable humidity. It is presumed to be between 67 and 82 degrees and 30 to 60% humidity. And we spend an inordinate amount of public and private money to generate that thermal comfort zone. Not surprisingly, the coldest months of the year are December, January, and February. During those months, an enormous amount of energy is consumed as the population of Boston seeks to achieve thermal comfort. And the amount of energy needed to do this is bounded by the laws of physics. It scales with the delta from the thermal comfort zone. And as a practical matter, the tactics deployed at the extremes are highly inefficient. Now, to break all of this down, they're taking nuclear power plants down in New England. They are reducing it. In 2019, the Pilgrim Nuclear Power Station was shuttered, leaving New England with only two nuclear power facilities and no plans to build more. More urgently, virtually every attempt to expand the natural gas pipeline infrastructure has been delayed, blocked, or abandoned. Just last month, voters in Maine killed an electricity transmission line project that would have brought renewable hydropower from Quebec to Massachusetts. The irony here, the situation in New England, is it sits only a few hundred miles from the most prolific natural gas-producing region on Earth, the Appalachian Appalachian Basin. According to the U.S. uh, Energy Agency, if the region were a standalone country, it would be the third largest natural gas producer in the world in the first half of 2021, behind only Russia and the rest of the United States. And yet, by refusing to build pipeline infrastructure, New England has opted out of sharing in its critical domestic bounty. If any thought leaders from the region are reading this, we would like to put out this handy guide to solve your regional energy problems. Build natural gas pipelines. That's it. This is a problem. To get natural gas to New England, in large part, you have to ship the natural gas on ships. And their infrastructure can't keep pace with the energy. Now, keep in mind, why did they go from talking about global warming to climate change? Well, the reason is because of things like what's happening on the eastern seaboard right now. You went from 80 degrees to 20 degrees overnight in some parts of the country. 
Some parts of the country went from uh, sunny New Year's Day to snow and below freezing temperatures all day. Climate change, they started using it because it doesn't mean the uh, whole world is getting hotter, although they say it is. It means that there are more extreme climate events now. You have uh, more intense hurricanes. You have more intense winter storms. You have more cold in the wintertime and more hot in the summertime. Uh, and, and the whole thing gets out of whack. There's no balance. Now, with climate change, if you buy into their theory of, of climate abnormalities and rapid changes, well, you need more baseload power. And the result of the environmentalist movement is to make sure that we have no more baseload power. Now, you think it's bad here. In Europe, it's even more extreme. In Europe, it's far worse. In Europe, they are now more and more dependent on Russian natural gas. In fact, the European Union is now authorizing natural gas and nuclear power to be considered clean energy. Why? Because in Europe, they give incentives to invest in clean energy. And so companies more and more are only investing in wind and solar power, and it's causing all sorts of problems for the European power grid. So the European Union has now decided nuclear and, and natural gas are appropriate clean energy sources so that people will please, please, we beg you from Europe, invest in nuclear reactors and natural gas. But environmentalists are outraged. Environmentalists are appalled. They're horrified in this country and in Europe that the European Union would do this. Why? Because they say nuclear power isn't really clean energy. It produces waste. Now, there are reactors, by the way, breeder reactors, that minimize the waste. They don't want to talk about those. But also, they don't like that natural gas produces carbon dioxide emissions. But natural gas produces far less than a coal-burning plant. The bottom line here is that environmentalists in the United States and abroad want us to freeze to death. They don't want to say it. They don't want to admit it. But keep in line the underlying tenet of the environmentalist movement is there are too many of us. The environmentalist movement ultimately is a Malthusian-based organization, apparatus, movement that believes there are too many people on planet Earth. And we are the cause of all of Earth's problems. So if we all freeze to death because there isn't enough power out there, they're okay with it. They can't talk about it publicly. They would never say this publicly. In fact, they would condemn me for telling you the truth of the matter asserted. They want less of us. And so if we freeze to death in the wintertime, they're okay with it because there will be less mouth-breathing, carbon-polluting human beings. The whole problem here, though, is that society is not going to be down with their solutions. New England is more likely than not this winter going to start feeling the effects as uh, Europe is feeling the effects right now of not having enough power on the power grid. They all pointed to Texas and they laughed at Texas. They love to mock Texas. They mocked Texas for all of Texas's problems with that anomaly power outage, but it's becoming a, a, a de facto thing in California where power outages happen all summer long in the heat. And it's becoming more and more of a thing in Europe as well. It's going to become a problem in New England as well. The environmentalists and the NIMBYs, the not-in-my-backyard people, are opposing pipelines, and they're opposing nuclear power. And the environmentalists are more and more talking about terrorism as a way to stop it all. There's going to be a backlash to the environmentalist movement. This is the deep irony of it. I can see it coming. I, I, I can see it happening. You can, too. That you're going to get more and more people out there willing to go against them 
and invest in coal plants and nuclear plants and natural gas pipelines and the like, all in response to their increasing violence. I can see it happening. People aren't going to back down on this. You know why? Because people want to live and they want to live comfortably. And the way you live comfortably is with power to run air conditioners and heaters, not to throw wood in fireplaces like the environmentalists would have you do, which of course would produce carbon. I can see this coming. They don't seem to be able to see it coming, but I'm telling you, it's going to happen. By the way, you know one of the great groups out there that that uh, fights for common sense and courts for conservatives, for Christians and others, and I don't know that they've gotten any of the energy um, litigation out there, but, but they have a lot. Uh, good social conservative group, good Christian group, Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, it's one of the few legal nonprofits in the country that actually racks up wins in state courts and federal courts for conservatives and Christians. When I was a lawyer, I volunteered uh, to be an ADF lawyer, and I rarely did I have anybody come to me. Uh, there were a couple of weird random cases, things that are now uh, just stuff that happens all the time, but didn't happen then. Now, since leaving my law practice, I've spoken to their events. I've gone to their events. I've been to their training sessions. They teach lawyers abundance how to talk about complex legal issues in a way that you can understand them. Now, I'm glad to have them here as an advertiser, as a sponsor of the program. I'd be supportive anyway. I've been a longtime donor to ADF, and I hope you'll consider it as well. I would really encourage you to support them. Alliance Defending Freedom takes your donations and uses them to help those who can't hire lawyers, hire the very best lawyers, to fight for freedom at the highest court all the way down to the local level. Now, here's the thing. They had a matching grant last year, and the donor has continued the matching grant into this year. So every dollar you give will be matched by a donor to ADF to help their defense of freedom. What you do is go to adflegal.org slash Erickson, adflegal.org slash E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N, adflegal.org slash Erickson. Go help ADF because they help so many good people around the country, but they need your help to give that help. Poor old Marjorie Taylor Greene. She got booted from Twitter, banned from Twitter. This is the Congresswoman, what is it, the 14th Congressional District in Georgia. Uh, and, and at the same time she's being banned from Twitter, QAnon has come. Now, she was a QAnon adjacent member of Congress. She repudiated some of what they believe, but had on the campaign trail echoed a lot of what they said. Uh, but now QAnon is coming for Marjorie Taylor Greene. For, of all things, owning stock in uh, pharmaceutical companies that are tied to COVID vaccines. I, this is the, the weirdest thing. So I follow on social media different accounts for people. I'm sure one day someone's going to do a hit job on me for following these accounts. But I try to keep posted on, on and keep up to date on what some of the, the fringy left-wing wackadoodles and fringy right-wing wackadoodles do. And the QAnon people are, are in that camp of, of wackadoos. And I follow some of them. And I've noticed one of the accounts I follow going at a prominent, prominent QAnon account going after Marjorie Taylor Greene for owning stock in pharmaceutical companies. As if somehow, uh, one of the worst things I think that has ever happened in this country is, you know, it wasn't in the book, uh, All the King's Men about the, um, what, the, the Watergate, break-in, the Woodward and Bernstein book. It was not in the book. It was added to the movie, the line, follow the money. And people have, to their great detriment over the years, embraced that as their way of thinking, that if somehow someone profits from something, that explains everything. And yes, sometimes the profit motive explains things, but sometimes it does not. 
But I'm just, I, I'm stunned. Like, like the uh, Robert Malone stuff, he's the, the guy, he was not the inventor of the mRNA vaccine. He was one of the people, if you know anything about the development of vaccines and, and uh, biology, is it always, it, it uh, takes a village to, to do these sorts of things. No one person comes up with one thing. He came up with a key component, absolutely, and one of the, the predecessor uh, technological advancements to be able to get to the mRNA vaccine. But the number of people out there who believe that he invented it. Now, if you follow the story for this guy, uh, the vaccine companies are making a mint on mRNA technology, and, and he's been excluded from the picture. It seems to me if you want to follow the money, as so many people do, uh, what you see is a man who is out there trying to discredit his baby because he's not making any money on it, and, and he wants a, a piece of the action. That's the way I interpret it. Other people are out there, oh, well, we got to believe this man is gospel truth. Why him? Why do you believe this one guy? Because he tells you exactly what you wanted to believe to begin with. That's why. That's why. We always like to believe our priors. Well, the left, or not the left, the QAnon folks, they they thought Marjorie Taylor Greene was one of them until they repudiated her. Now they are coming out to get her. It's the craziest thing. And she's been banned from Twitter, which I don't think she should be banned from Twitter, particularly for what she did. Uh, She just shared some data on the vaccine, and it wasn't misinformation. It was backed up data, whether you like it or not. I don't think she should have been banned from Twitter, but it's probably the best thing for her, frankly. Uh, Now she can focus on the work of being a congresswoman instead of being a Twitter hysteric, which she had been. She still should be banned. They should bring Donald Trump back. Uh, Twitter is such a left-wing company, though. They never, ever ban anyone on the left for misinformation, even though those people are filled with it. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 